Our scripture reading for today comes from Matthew 26, verses 1 through 16. When Jesus had finished saying all of these things, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and they conspired to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, not during the festival, or there may be a riot among the people. Now, while Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon, the leper, a woman, came to him with an alabaster jar of very costly ointment. And she poured it on his head, and he sat at the table. But when the disciples saw it, they were angry and said, Why this waste? For this ointment could have been sold for a large sum, and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble this woman? She has performed a good service for me, for you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. By pouring this ointment on my body, she has prepared me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. Then one of the twelve, who is called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I betray him to you? They paid him 30 pieces of silver, and from that moment, he began to look for an opportunity to betray him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right. Well, we're going to continue the series of the last week of Jesus' life. And as you heard, uh, today is Wednesday. It's Sunday, but we're talking about Wednesday and uh, this is the last week of Jesus. This is the last Wednesday of Jesus' life. In three days, he will go to the cross. In three days, he will die. And he knows this. So our text takes place uh, right after he finishes that fifth major sermon uh, where he was chastising the religious leaders and, and the Pharisees for their lack of compassion for the people. Um, and, and he gives several parables at the end of that, at the end of his fifth major sermon, ending with the last parable of the sheep and of the goats. And, and today our text is a turning point in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, throughout the entire Gospel of Matthew, he's been teaching. And this being his last major sermon, it says, When Jesus had finished saying all these things. And this right here is a marker in the Gospel of Matthew. Whereas before, he'd said this four times, and he, he would say when Jesus had finished saying these things. But in this section, after he finished the fifth major sermon, he said when Jesus had finished saying all these things. This marks the end of Jesus' teaching ministry. His teaching ministry is over. The cross is looming ahead. And Jesus reminds his disciples again that he is headed to that looming cross. But the disciples, they, they still don't want to hear it. They still don't get it. So the story today, it moves quickly as we immediately go into the house of the high priest, where all of the high priests are meeting together, and they're meeting together to plot on how to kill Jesus. It says, plotting how to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. I don't know if you guys can picture this scene, I mean, all of the leading priests of the nation coming together into the high priest's house, planning on how to kill someone. 
It doesn't make any sense to me. But I can understand maybe coming together and trying to want to stop Jesus or prevent him from continuing his ministry some other way, maybe arresting him. And because he's a public nuisance and that's it. But that's not enough. They, they want Jesus killed. I mean, that would be like me and, and the preaching team meeting together at Rick's house. And, and Pastor Tony's like, hey, you know what? That guy in the church that causing a problem, we should kill him. It, it, I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. But, I, you know, it's, it's a different time. Um, people just, people were just killed, I guess. Um, but my question, is Jesus really that much of a threat to those people, to those religious leaders? Why? Why was Jesus such a threat to the religious establishment that they wanted him killed? And you guys saw last week how Jesus was calling these people, you know, whitewashed tombs filled with bones of the dead and blind guides and blind fools. And maybe that upset them enough. But I, I don't understand taking that next step to, to go and to kill this man. I think that on some level, the religious leaders must have known that Jesus was here to transform the world. I think that they must have known the truth at some level. I think that they can't ignore this man, this man who, who heals the blind, who feeds the thousand, who dines with the outcasts, who won't bow down to Rome, and who threatens everything that these religious leaders had built. I don't think that they could ignore it. Because when we come face to face with Jesus, we know that Jesus demands nothing more than transformation. He demands transformation. And if we're going to take Jesus seriously, then it means the reorientation of our whole life. And on some level, these religious leaders, they knew the truth, and the truth scared them. So Jesus must be dealt with. They couldn't just leave him alone. They couldn't just ignore Jesus. They had to take that extra step to try and have Jesus killed. And Matthew, here in chapter 26, he's, he's having us, the reader, come to this point where we have to decide who Jesus is for ourselves. We have to look at Jesus and decide who is this man. And he's given us the evidence of who this man is throughout the book. But now it's up to us on what we're going to do with the evidence that we've been given about this man, Jesus. So as we move from the living room of the high priest where they're plotting to kill Jesus into the dining room of Simon the leper, we see an incredible contrast going on. And I think that this contrast parallels the last parable that uh, that Jesus told in the last chapter of Matthew about the sheep and the goats. Do you remember the parable? Where on the right hand, Jesus separated the sheep and they were compared to the righteous, uh, the righteous of the believers, the one that were in line with Jesus. And he said, what you did to the least of these, you've done to me. And on his left, he separated the, the goats and the goats were the unrighteous, the ones who were not in line with Jesus. The ones who did not do to the least of these, therefore did not do to Jesus. They were not in line with Jesus. They neglected Jesus. They ignored Jesus. And we kind of get to see that parable play out before us here in chapter 26. A contrast between this woman, as you saw in the text, this woman who comes in and anoints Jesus' head with perfume and contrasting it with Judas. 
contrasting it with the religious leaders, contrasting it with the disciples. And here's the question that I've been left to ponder over the past week. This question challenges my claim to be a follower of Jesus. And the question is, how will you waste your life on Jesus? How will you waste your life on Jesus? And you might be thinking that that's a little bit of an odd question to ask because it brings these two words that are in contrast, waste and Jesus. But I want us to look at these stories again and see if we can answer that question by the end of it. So again, we have Jesus, and he's at one of his friend's house, and he's having dinner. And the text says it's in the home of a man named Simon who previously had leprosy. And while Jesus was having dinner, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it on his head. Now, the woman in this story is anonymous. There's other stories about anointing, but in in the Gospel of Matthew, the woman in the Gospel of Matthew is anonymous. We don't know anything about her. We don't know her name. We don't know her background. We, We don't know anything. All we know is that this woman, she took a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume that was probably her family heirloom, that was that was probably her inheritance, that was probably uh, the only thing of true value that she had ever owned. And she took that and she poured it over the head of Jesus. And it caused a reaction from the, the disciples. And it says that the disciples, they were indignant when they saw this. What a waste of money, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor The disciples, they're angry. But unfortunately, I I can understand their indignation, their anger. I mean, remember just the day before that, that Jesus had told them the parable of the sheep and the goats, and he said that what you did for the least in the kingdom, you did to me. And it almost made it to where what you do for the least of the kingdom is more important than what you do for Jesus. And, uh, what, what, this, what this woman did, she didn't do this for the least of them. She did this directly for Jesus. And, and Jesus doesn't chastise the woman, but he goes after the disciples and he chews the disciples out. And, and here we have the men, the disciples who have been with Jesus now daily for years and they still don't get it. And they, they, they're missing the point. And we too often, I think, miss the point as well. So what's the point? First, I want us to look at the second part of the story and then come back and try to answer the question of what is the point. So it goes on. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priests and asked, how much will you pay me to portray Jesus to you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. And if you paid attention in the text, this was the verse directly after Jesus finishes his last sentence rebuking the disciples. So in verse 13, it ends. And then in verse 14, Judas goes to seek how he can go and betray Jesus. And that's mind-blowing to me. It's it's a tragedy. It hurts. 
And, and I've looked at this story and I've thought, how in the world could someone so close to Jesus do this to him? How could someone, a disciple of Jesus, who spent three years with him day and night, go and betray him? But when I've been absolutely honest with myself, and I think when we're honest with ourselves, we realize that, that we do this all the time. Judas is just like us when we follow Jesus for what we can get out of him instead of for how we can serve him. Judas was counting the cost and decided that it wasn't worth it anymore. He was expecting a Messiah to come and change the world, but only to change the world in the way that Judas thought the world should be changed. Judas didn't realize that Jesus was calling him to surrender his life completely. Judas Iscariot didn't realize that he was calling him to give it all and to submit his life completely to Jesus. He didn't realize that it was more than what his carnal mind could think about. The cost for Judas of following Jesus was too high. So Judas cut his losses and gained 30 pieces of silver to help compensate him for the lost time and energy that he had spent over the last three years. The cost of following Jesus was too high, but 30 pieces of silver made up for it. Judas, he missed the point. And in the story, the disciples, they missed the point as well. And how often do we miss the call? How often do we miss the call to waste it all on Jesus? How will you waste your life on Jesus? And I think that's the point. That's the calling that we have on our lives as Christians, is how will you waste your life on Jesus with reckless abandon or recklessly abandoning him? Jesus, Jesus is calling us to abandon this life and pursue him with our whole heart. He's calling us to give our very best. And this woman who anointed Jesus' head did not care about what other people thought about her. She didn't come into the room apologizing for her actions. She didn't think to herself, this perfume is too expensive an heirloom just to pour out on somebody. She came in with reckless abandon, totally focused on Jesus. And she poured out her best. She poured out her inheritance. She poured out her safety net. She poured out her very life on the head of Jesus Christ. She counted the cost and came up with a different outcome than Judas and the rest of the disciples. She counted the cost and said, I don't care, I'm giving it all. This is Jesus. What devotion, what love, What an example of what it truly means to follow Jesus. Here, the disciples have been following Jesus for three years, and they still didn't get it. Here, the disciples are still concerned with how things look, with proper protocol, with not making a fool of yourself. And every one of the 12 disciples in two days will recklessly abandon Jesus, but not this woman. She follows Jesus with reckless abandon. And that's the call today because Jesus' call for us is the same. As followers of Jesus, his call for us is the same. And how will we waste our lives on him? I'm going to say this. I believe that revival comes 
when we realize that the one who needs transformation is ourselves, and we realize that, that we're the problem and not everyone else out there, when we humbly repent and give it all to Jesus. I believe that revival comes to the church when we begin to live out its mission with reckless abandon. <clears throat> I'm going to say it again. I believe that revival comes to the church when we begin to live out its mission with reckless abandon. That's when revival comes, amen? But unfortunately, we too often, we live our Christian lives following the example of Judas. When things don't go our way, we bolt. We ask ourselves, what's in it for me? We count the cost and say that it's not worth it. We say to ourselves, Jesus, I'll only serve you if you give me this one thing. If, I'll only serve you if, if you change this one thing about yourself. I'll, I'll only serve you if you let me hold on to this one thing that's really hurting me and I don't want to give it up. I'll only serve you if, and we try to put conditions on this unconditional love that's open for us. But Jesus says, I don't want your part. I want your whole. I want it all. I want you to follow me with reckless abandon. I want your heart. I want you to love the way that I love. I want you to be my disciples. You must lay down your life for me. I don't want your leftovers. He says that I want your all. And when we give Jesus our all, his all is waiting there for us. Do you want to know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Follow the example of this anonymous woman. This anonymous woman that didn't care what anybody else thought of her that didn't care how expensive or how valuable what she had was, what was more expensive, what was more valuable, was giving it all to Jesus. And by all, it was her whole life. And Jesus tells us, his church, if you give me your all, if you give me your best, I will turn the tables and I will pour out a blessing on your head, a sweet-smelling perfume of blessing that will go out from you to bless the world. Remember last week, we were saved for a purpose, to be a blessing. And Jesus, he has that blessing prepared for us, only if we'll accept it. And so this morning, uh, me and Charlie, we talked about what we wanted to do, and uh, we came up with this idea, and, and I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it out there, and it may sound crazy, but go along with me. What, what I wanna do is I want to have a physical representation of us giving it all to Jesus and then receiving that blessing as an anointing on our head, just as he was anointed on his head. And so we have this anointing balm, uh, and, and Charlie will be on this side and I'll be on this side. And if you would like to, to rededicate living your life with reckless abandon for Jesus, then, then you can come up to this altar. You can pray. I can pray with you. And I want to anoint your head with this embalming oil, uh, if, if you'll have it. Um, so I'm going to pray. Prepare your hearts. Um, if, if you want this, that's, that's great. I want you to come down. But really prepare your hearts and, and understand what it means to give it all to Jesus. Understand what it means to live with reckless abandon. Because I think that it's more than, than our fleshly minds can even 
can even, like, I don't know, I don't have the words for it. But, Lord Jesus, I ask today that we would live our lives with reckless abandon. I ask today that we would know what that means, God. I pray that the question of how we will waste our lives on you would loom in our mind this week. And with every opportunity that we have to waste our lives on you, I pray that you would just, you would come into our minds and remind us that it's worth it. That it's worth it to waste it all. That it's worth it to give you everything. That what this world has to offer is not enough than what you have to offer. I pray that we will remember that when we give you our all, your all is right there waiting for us. Jesus, we want to give you everything. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.